The following audio presentation is from Parkwood Baptist Church. The purpose of Parkwood Baptist Church is to glorify God by laboring together for the growth of all believers while going with the gospel to all peoples. More information about Parkwood Baptist Church is available at parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org. So Galatians 2 verse 17 is where I'll begin reading. I invite you if you would stand as I read God's word. But if we endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners. Is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live now I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Let's pray. Lord, help us to hear, to comprehend, and to believe what you have said here. What a crushing statement. If righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Help us to see. Help us to understand. Help us to believe. In Christ's name, amen. So Here's the big idea this morning, the main idea, that by faith believers share in the atoning death and new life of Jesus Christ. Everything in this sermon is centered around this thought that comes from this text. I want to define some terms here before I move on. Share. By faith, believers share. The sharing is for all. Let me state it this way. There are not some better Christians in this room. You've already said, well, he's a good Christian. So that means better than me. She's better than you. There is no such thing. This is the point of Galatians. There's no such thing as a better Christian. All believers share in the atoning death and new life of Jesus Christ. Now let me press my definition further. That does not mean I've got a little bit of Jesus and you've got a little bit of Jesus and you've got a little bit of Jesus. Here's the riddle of Christianity. We all have all of Jesus. Praise the Lord. We have all. So by faith, believers share in the atoning death and, and this is what we're pressing to today, the new life of Jesus Christ. So let's redefine, make sure we don't leave our definition from last week. Justification is the gracious act of God by which God declares a sinner righteous solely through faith in Jesus Christ. There were two questions I posed in front of you last week. First, how is a person made right with God? We answer that with justification. What is taught in verses 15 and 16. The gracious act of God by which God declares a sinner righteous solely through faith in Jesus Christ. 
Now we will continue to answer that question, but we're moving into question number two that I posed for you last week. How does a person live righteous? How does a person live righteous? And we're getting to this new life of Jesus Christ. Point number one, by faith, believers share in the atoning death of Jesus Christ. Let's start with verse 17 and 18 as he sets up his argument. But if in our endeavor to be justified, declared righteous in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is then Christ a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. So in the context, it's an interaction with Peter as Peter was drifting away from acting according to the gospel. So what he's saying, Paul is saying that Paul, Peter, all believers were found to be sinners in seeking to be justified in Christ. That means we all recognize that none of us are better than another. Jews are not better than Gentiles. People who grew up in church are not better than those who did not. That the only way to be righteous is through Jesus Christ. And in verse 18, he turns the table on his critics who were saying what Paul was doing was promoting sin. He's actually saying that what happens is that those who live under the law, that after they believe in Christ, they then rebuild the law in their life, that they're actually proving themselves to be transgressors. They're the ones who are revealing sin. Now verse 19. For through the law, I died to the law. Now, what does that mean? I died to the law. Here's what it does not mean. This is crucial that you hear this clearly. Paul is not denouncing the law. He is not saying that the law is bad. Here's what he's saying. He died to keeping the law for justification. He died from trying to keep the law so that God would declare him righteous. In the book of Romans, you can go ahead and turn to chapter six. I'll quote chapter seven as you turn there. In Romans seven twelve, he says, the law is holy. The commandment, holy, righteous, and good. So what is this? died to the law mean? Romans chapter six, beginning with verse seven, this can, is part of your growth group text for this week. It says, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, the life he lives, he lives to God. And there are two phrases I want to extract. Verse eight, if we have died with Christ, and then verse 10, Christ died to sin once for all. Jesus said it this way on the cross. It is what? Finished. It's, it's done once and for all. So the era of the law has ceased with the death and the resurrection of Christ. So Paul's saying he died to the law since 
Christ ended the era of the law. This is crucial. Christ lived under the law and kept the law perfectly on our behalf so that he would liberate believers from the law. So those who died with Christ are freed from the power of sin and now live to God. Now, when you preach justification by faith, when you preach the gospel period, it can be misinterpreted. So let me be clear here. Justification is not the same thing as God sweep, or we're not saying that God is sweeping sin under the rug. God's not pretending in any way, shape, fashion, or form that your sin and my sin does not exist. God knows it exists. Sin has a penalty and that penalty has been paid. That penalty was paid on the cross by Jesus Christ. Our sin, my sin was paid for. And that, and that alone is why I've been accepted before God through faith in Christ. Now, back to Galatians for a moment. I'll just the phrase, you don't have to turn there. You can go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians 5. In Galatians, he says these words, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Now, I have pondered that for many years. I dare say you thought about it. You've heard it quoted. Most of us could quote that. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But I wonder how many people could explain that. What does that mean? It's the quote. The imagery is intended to highlight a decisive total transfer from one state to another. A decisive total transfer from one state to another. I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live. Now in 2 Corinthians, Paul uses beautiful language here to explain this decisive total transfer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. By the way, this text is gonna guide you today through prayer as you spend time personally in prayer and it's gonna guide our service tonight as we, as we pray and send. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation, the old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Verse 18, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We'll talk more about verses 18 through 20 tonight. Let's go to verse 21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Christ was sinless. We're sinners. On our behalf, God made him sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. This decisive total transfer. I have been crucified with Christ. I am now a new creation. Verse 18. How did this happen? All of this is what? From God. Now friends, here's the rub. Here is the rub that you think 
It's synergy. God's doing his part and I'm doing my part. All of this, all of this is from God. I played no part and, and this is where we're going in this sermon, I never will. I am a new creation. Quoting John Stott here. (laughs) I love this. Justification is not legal fiction. Let that sit on you for a second. Justification is not legal fiction in which a man's status is changed while his character is left untouched. Our justification takes place when we are united to Christ by faith and someone who is united to Christ is never the same person again. Instead, he or she is changed. It is not just their standing before God which has changed. It is that they themselves radically, permanently are changed. To talk of going back to the old life or even sinning as you please is frankly impossible. You have become a new creation. You have begun a new life. You said this last week, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to lead the God I love. We cannot assume upon or wonder away for the realization of who we are in Christ. Tony Marita in a message on this pointed out four simple things that we got to extract from this this text. Number one, we die to sin. We die to sin. Number two, we die to ourselves. I no longer live. That's why Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Number three, he covers our sins. He does it. Back to Galatians 2.20. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul uses the personal pronoun 12 times in these short verses. 12 times. He hardly ever does this in his writing. If you study Paul at length, he speaks in the plural pronoun most of the time, we, us. But here he speaks very personally. Now, Paul is not saying, I'm the only person who has experienced and knows this. Here's what Paul is pressing in on us as followers of Jesus. Christ loves me. Christ gave himself for me. The Son of God loves me. One of the old reformers said, these are mighty thunderings and lightnings from heaven against the righteousness of the law and the works themselves. So great and horrible wickedness, error and darkness was in the will and understanding that it was impossible for me to be ransomed by any other means than this inestimable price, the love of God, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We have been justified by his blood. Much more shall we be saved from the wrath of God, Romans 5, 8, and 9. We die to sin. We die to ourselves. He covers our sins. Number four, he changes our lives. 
There's a way it's said around here that I think is a pass to act like you wanna act. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. You're a new creation if you're in Christ. Start referring to yourself as who you are. Don't belittle what Jesus has done. If Christ is in you, not only are you justified by faith, you now live by faith. Paul had no room for a salvation that consisted of praying a prayer, supposedly trusting in Jesus, then going back to living your life the same you lived it before you prayed the prayer. That's impossible. Faith is not just receiving salvation. Faith is enabling us to live out our salvation. By faith, believers share in the new life of Christ. For through the law, I died to the law. Why? So that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. As long as Christ remains outside of us, we are separated from him. And all that Christ has suffered and done for the salvation of the human race remains useless and invaluable to you, and invaluable. But when we by faith trust and believe in Christ and are justified by faith, we must understand that there's more happening than just a moment. I have died to the law so that I might live to God. That means that I no longer live to myself. I now live as God wants me to live for his glory. Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, according to his word. The life I live, I live by faith. Folks, this explains Philippians 4, 13. Philippians 4.13 is being misused in our society grossly. The number one place you see this verse is in athletics. And here's what most people think when they quote Philippians 4.13, which says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Here's what I think most people believe. They think this, it plays into the American mentality with Christianity, that all Christianity is is a self-help movement that Jesus just exists to make you better. He's gonna make you a better person. He's gonna make you a better athlete. He's gonna make you a better student. He's just improving you. No, Christ did not come to improve me. There's nothing to improve upon. Christ came to make me new. I was crucified with Christ on the cross. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. So certainly I can now do all things through Christ who is in me, who gives me strength. You don't know where the amen will run me off. <laughs> I know I went from preaching to meddling. This is the core, friends, of what Paul's getting to. The life I live in the flesh. And let's just be careful with this. This does not 
denotes sin. Sometimes in the scripture when flesh is used, it's equating with sin. This is not what Paul means here. The life I now live in the flesh, he's saying that the life that I live in the body is a new creation, should not be equated with sin. Now, why mention the flesh? Because he's acknowledging the fact of weakness and temptation that is associated with our flesh, but we are not trying to keep the law in our flesh. We don't take on a fleshly activity to keep the law to be made righteous. Here's how we live. We live by faith, trusting in Christ, who is our righteousness. He says it explicitly. It's, it's as if modern Christians don't even know this is in the Bible. The life I now live in the flesh, I live how? What does it say? By faith, not just by faith, by faith in the Son of God. Now, do you get this? The same way that you're made right with God, that you are saved by faith in the Son of God is the same way you live. Tom Schreiner put this on the screen. The new life is not characterized fundamentally by working for God, but by believing in the Son of God. That does not mean, Schreiner does not mean that it doesn't translate in how you live. He fully means it translates in how you live. He's getting to the motivation of why you live the way you live. That you're living by faith. Let's go back to Romans 6 for a moment. For the death he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Now that's Jesus. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Okay, now let's put, let's put Galatians in between these two verses because we got an explanation somewhere else in Scripture. For I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. So do you believe that on the cross, Jesus Christ took the penalty of your sin and died in your place? Okay, so here's what Paul's saying now. You look to that cross and what Christ did and you say, I'm dead to sin. That's what verse 11 means. So you must also consider yourselves as dead to sin. Why? Because Christ took care of it on the cross. Now, who are you? Verse 11, you are alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now that does not mean, when you say you consider yourselves dead to sin, none of you are gonna do this. I hope you don't. We'll have to call Patty Wagon if you do. You're not gonna go out and crank your car and just sit there all afternoon. Boo. When you come over, my car cranks, isn't that a miracle? And you put the car in drive and go home, okay? Here's what some of you do from Sunday to Sunday. This is not Christianity. 
All you do is crank the car and let it idle for seven days. Then you practice your Christianity by coming back to church next Sunday. I'm glad you're here. But here's what every Sunday ought to do. (laughs) It ought to put it in gear. And the life you live, you live by faith in Christ Jesus. So what? So we put the two questions together. How's a person made right with God? How does a person live righteous? Answer, by trusting in Christ alone, through faith alone, by grace alone. Both questions are answered the same way. So the question to you is, am I trusting? Present tense, in Christ alone, through faith alone, by grace alone. Now Paul's crushing conclusion in Galatians 2.21 so he's responding to these Galatian agitators who said, oh yeah, 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 you gotta believe in Jesus, but then you gotta keep the law if you're really gonna be made righteous. He's dealing with the inconsistencies of Peter and Barnabas and all the believers who wouldn't eat with the Jews. And here's what he says. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Now, do you hear what this man's saying? Do you hear what the Bible is saying to you? It is answering number one. How's a person made right with God? Through Christ. If I don't believe that righteousness is imputed to me through Christ by trusting and believing in him, I am not a Christian. But he is pressing it further. And he's saying that if you now take up works of the law and whatever else to improve yourself and to make God love you and like you better because you do all this stuff, you are negating what Christ has done. He is saying for righteousness, that is living your life for Christ, is not through the law. And if you act like that, then Christ died for no purpose. Tim Keller summarized it. This is only Tim Keller can do this in just a few words, say something like this. Christ will do everything for you or nothing. Christ will do everything for you or nothing. Notice Keller did not say Christ has done everything for you. That's how most Christians talk in the evangelical world, past tense. Here's what he says. Christ will do everything for you or nothing. I'm indebted to what I'm gonna say next from Tony Marita. We typically reflect on what Christ has done in the past, which is not a bad thing to do. But if we're not careful, we leave it there. And we just start to think, Jesus has done this for me. And then we flip the question and say, now what can I do for him? We've actually heard sermons like this. Now what can I do for him? The reason we must be careful with that, friends, is because Jesus hasn't stopped doing for you. You're not paying him back for anything. We are indwelt by Christ. Christ is in us. And the Christian life 
is not about you and I so much living for Christ as it is us trusting Christ to live for us, trusting Christ to live through us, trusting Christ to live in us. This is faith. Faith is not just for receiving salvation. Faith for is in, for enabling us to live out our salvation. The key to the Christian life is faith in Christ. Not just Christ who died on the cross for you, but the Christ who lives in you. Romans 1.16. And let me just say, I'm not picking on you. Happened at 8 o'clock. It's happening right now. You know, it's just how eerily quiet it is in here. Listen, I've learned this. Let's just all learn it. That just means it's one of those times when the Bible's just confronting us. It's confronting us in how we're, how we're thinking and how we're living. And how we think and how we live has so impacted, it's changed the hermeneutic of how we interpret the Bible. Now watch this. This is Romans 1.16. It's a famous verse. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now look up here. Don't nod or whatever. This is not a time to pick on somebody, but would you agree with me just in in your head that when you read that and when most of us in the evangelical world read that, we're thinking about a moment in time when you believed in Jesus? Everyone who believes, point in time. That is not what the Greek means. Greek's a beautiful language and it has all these affixes and prefixes on it and helps you understand what he means. here's, Here's what Paul says. For I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who present active tense believes. So that means, that means, now let's get this right. There's got to be a moment to where we trust Christ and repent of our sin. We believe. Now, don't, I'm not trying to pick on Pentecostals in here. There's some of you Pentecostal background. Don't misinterpret what I'm going to say next. I'm not saying next that you're going to lose it and re-get it. You never lose it. That's what the Bible teaches. I'm not trying to be angry here. Never lose it. But you believe and you believe, and you believe, and you believe, and you believe. This is how we live. Do you notice I moved? This is what Christianity is. We move. We are believing God. Now watch, we read Romans 1:16 in isolation. Paul meant it to be read together with verse 17. Watch. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's for all people is what he means. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. For it is written, the righteous shall what? Live by faith. I've let Luther get the last word. Luther's still got the best commentary on Galatians. By the way, if your former Methodist, Charles Wesley, says 
that reading Luther's commentary on Galatians led to his conversion. We conclude with Paul that we are justified by faith only in Christ without the works of the law. Now, after a man is once justified and possesses Christ by faith and knows that he is righteous, his righteousness and life, doubtless he will not be idle. He will be a good tree, a tree that will bring forth good fruit for the believing person has the Holy Spirit and where the Holy Spirit dwells, he will not suffer a man to be idle. He will stir him up to exercise his faith in godliness. He will have true religion. That is, he will love God. She will be patient in suffering and affliction. They will give themselves to prayer and thanksgiving and they will exercise love toward all people. The righteous shall live by faith. Now, friends, worship team is going to make their way here in just a moment, and we're going to sing. We're going to sing one of this boy's favorite hymns. He will hold me fast. I cannot sing this hymn without tears. I cannot. There used to be a day, I even heard sermons like this, you just need to hold on to God. That's faith, is it? You know what faith is? You know what faith is? God's got me. That's what faith is. He will hold me fast. He will not let go. Those who are in Christ are in Christ forever. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for those who cannot know that hope, that peace, the knowledge of being right with God. I pray they would repent of their sin even now and they would turn by faith to Christ and believe. For those who are in Christ, I pray that they would sing this song of faith, that joy would well up in this room, and that we would proclaim clearly that you hold us fast. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this audio presentation from Parkwood Baptist Church, located in Gastonia, North Carolina. Please feel free to share this message with others. For more information about Parkwood Baptist Church, visit parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org.